Hey, I'm Melissa. I'm Jam. And I'm a chemist. And I'm not. And welcome to Chemistry for Your Life. The podcast to help you understand the chemistry of your day life. Yay, I'm so excited. I am recovering from a cold a little bit, so if I sound a little nasally, that's why, just okay. for the record. Not your fault. You're forgiven. <laughs> and if I'm a little sniffly. Okay, so I'm really excited for this episode. Um, I guess I always am excited for the episodes, but we got this question from SD Pete on Instagram. Okay. And it's really such a good question. And then after they asked it, I was laying in bed and noticed a light blinking in my bedroom. And I was like, is that our smoke detector? And, and then it was really in my mind. Ah. So SD Pete asked how smoke detectors work. Okay. And I think I want to expand this into a multi-part series because there's two different types of smoke detectors and there's also those sprinklers. Oh, right. Right. You know, that go off. Yeah. And guess what? They all work by chemistry. Oh, interesting. Are you sure? I'm positive. Okay. They all work by chemistry. All right. Okay. So there's two kinds of smoke detectors. So let's talk about that. Okay. We're going to talk about one today and leave the next one for the next part. So the one we're going to leave, it basically uses a light to sense particles. Fairly straightforward. We can talk about it in the next episode. Okay. The other kind is called an ionizing smoke detector. So it's a little bit more complicated, and that's where we're going to zoom in today. And is the ionizing one more of what most of us have in our homes, or does it really vary a lot? I, so I don't know which one there's more of, but I do know that, um, I had to use a lot of government resources for this. There wasn't a lot of just chemistry resources on how smoke detectors work, Uh but the, one of the government websites that I used recommended having both kinds because they're good for different types of fires. Uh And there are some that incorporate both like in, in their little, uh, in one. So like they have a, it's like a dual sensor or something that's both technologies are used in there. So maybe that's the most common, but they do recommend using both kinds. Okay. And it did make me wonder what I have in my apartment because it's not a house. So I didn't buy them. Right. Right. Do you know what you have in your house? It's funny that you asked this because (laughs) literally, well, I don't know what kind. I could tell you were dying to say something. (laughs) Well, it's just funny. This has happened sometimes where like the topic that we pick, not every time. Probably a pick has something like related to something recent <laughs> in my life. It was maybe about two weeks ago. I was cooking and I started thinking, where's the nearest smoke detector in here? I looked around in my kitchen and there wasn't one. I thought that's not great, but yeah, you know what? That's a little weird. That's weird. But you know what? In other houses would have had one right near my kitchen. Sometimes it's actually been too sensitive. That's what happens in ours. It goes off all the time. Yeah, and just a little bit of smoke. So I was like, maybe it's better. And so I thought, oh, you know what? Maybe I think it's right over our dining table, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. And I stepped back and looked, and there wasn't one there. Oh, no. And then I looked like, okay, well, we have a fireplace in the living room. Maybe I'll go step step a few steps further back. Maybe I have one in my living room. There's not one in my living room. Oh, no. In that whole area? In the whole area where the fireplace and the stove and the oven are, there's not one. How is that up to code? Isn't it's, someone checking something? I mean, it's probably not. And that's the weird thing about, especially in states like Texas, where older homes get sort of grandfathered in on some stuff. Mm. I mean, I'm sure everyone inspector probably did maybe tell us something like that. And I'm sure that there is a code to it, but I'm not sure if they can force you or, or whatever. But if you're building a new house, they can force you mm-hmm. where to put them. 
the nearest smoke detector in our house is all the way down our hall, right near our bedrooms, which obviously that's good, good if you're sleeping. Yeah, good good place for them, but not a good place for your main one. Right. And the smoke's gonna get way down there, <laughs> right by our doors. And then, and then we'll be made aware of it. It'd be better if we were made aware of it sooner. <laughs> yes. So I'm interested in this topic. Okay. And I'm interested because I will probably soon be in the market <laughs> right. for some new smoke detectors. You probably should purchase some. Yeah, I think yeah. so. <laughs> okay. So we're going to talk about the ionizing smoke detector, but now I want you to just like pause that, hang it up on a hook okay, and think instead about radioactivity. And there's a reason we'll come back to radioactivity. Okay. Yeah. So what do you know about radioactivity? I, n- what I know is from the show Chernobyl Oh, I didn't and, watch that show. Oh. I thought it was going to make me too sad. It It's really good. It is sad, though, but it's really good. Okay. Um, I feel like my understanding is that there's a lot of instability mm-hmm. with some element. I feel like I've heard the term like uranium and a few other like, isn't it like specific isotopes of atoms that they use of a substance that makes it good for those conditions? There's certain ones that are naturally radioactive. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And that there are like particles like flying in different directions and stuff like that. Like, <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, that's a, true. There's a sentence in that show <laughs> where the guy basically says there are atoms of this of this element, like basically firing all directions like bullets firing, making tiny holes mm-hmm. in everything in this radius. Mm-hmm. And it's like, he's trying to convince him it's a serious deal. And it works for me. It worked for me. <laughs> I was very convinced that it was serious, but that's kind of it. I just know that's bad. I know you can measure it with the Geiger counter stuff or whatever. That's actually not a bad starting point. Okay. I think the idea of things flying around, like sort of all atoms all the time are shooting around in all directions. Right. So (laughs) that I'm like, "Uh," but right. And I don't know what context he was talking about it in, but it's the instability and things kind of shooting out Uh is not a terrible mental picture to have. Okay. So when I talk about radioactivity in chemistry, I think about an atom that's unstable, like you said, and it, it usually is breaking down or releasing energy in some way to become more stable. Okay. And it actually goes really well with last week's episode. You know, we reviewed, or two weeks ago, I guess we reviewed the different parts of the atom, how there's the, um, there's a center of the atom that has protons and neutrons, Uh and then there's the electrons on the outside. So that comes into play because when atoms break down, they are in radioactive decay. Oftentimes they're literally losing parts of themselves and sometimes their identities change. If they lose those protons, their Ah, identities can change. Right, right. So that's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Okay. So (laughs) that's in radioactive decay. They the way I phrased it here is they essentially lose parts of themselves and they can change identity. And it just as kind of a broad overview, they can lose energy, neutrons, protons, electrons, and they sometimes as a result become a different atom. Okay. So they can lose anything. They can give off anything kind of. Dang, wow. <laughs> I know. And there's lots of different types of radioactivity or radioactive decay, but they're typically becoming a more stable atom with each breaking down or emission of energy. Okay. That makes sense. They want to be stable if they can. Yeah. 
Okay. They're trying, it's sort of like an, a desperate attempt to be stable. And there are yeah. some, I mean, I identify with that <laughs> yeah. so much. <laughs> and there are some elements that like they, they start out really unstable and they'll break down into something else that's more stable. And then it breaks down further, you know? So one of the things we're talking about today is actually a byproduct of another thing breaking down. Okay. So, and it will break down into something else. that's also radioactive, you know? So it can keep breaking down. Okay. So there's different kinds of radiation, different things that are emitted. But today I want us to focus on two things which relate to today's topic. So those are alpha emissions and gamma emissions. Okay. Did you hear about either of those in the Chernobyl? Um, I think I heard about gamma mm-hmm, and Chernobyl. That's the most common one. And gamma also finds its way in pop culture in other ways like, you know, Bruce Banner, Hulk. Gamma radiation is how his whole origin story comes about. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> so I bet a lot of our listeners, that might be one of the ways they've heard of gamma is like superhero stuff. It's like <laughs> the way of like grabbing some words from science and throwing them into a yeah. superhero origin story. That one, I guess, has been used. You know, that doesn't bother me a ton when it's like, oh, this is so unrelated to science. They just took these fun words. Uh-huh. But you know what really bothers me is when they're pretending to be scientific and then they do something like touch their cell phone with their gloves. Uh-huh. It's like a deep seated, <laughs> like, oh, don't touch that with your gloves. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that kind of like, oh, you're just making this science fiction. You're acknowledging that it's fiction. That's fine. Yeah. But when they're doing scientific things and they touch their phone with their gloves, I will, I'm like, I don't know if I can watch this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So alpha decay, we'll talk about that first is what happens when an atom loses so-called alpha particles. Okay. So alpha particles have two protons and two neutrons. Do you know what else has two protons on the periodic table? Oxygen? No. I mean, it has two plus four more, I think. Oh, man. Okay, wait. Hydrogen is one. Uh And then... What can I think of what's next? Is it helium? Yeah, it's helium. Nice, nice. (laughs) So yes, helium has two. And so essentially what alpha particles actually are is they're the same size as a helium atom that's lost its electrons. That's They are helium two plus basically. Okay, okay. Because if you lose your electrons, you're positive. Right. I've told that joke that my cousin told me a lot where the atom runs into a bar and says, I think I lost my electrons. And the bartender says, are you positive? (laughs) Right. Right. So... (laughs) Um, it's essentially a positive two plus or positive helium atom. Okay. But so it's just like kind of big compared to some other types of radiation. Cause it's essentially the same size as an atom. Okay. And so because of that kind of moves slow and it's not really as dangerous as my understanding because it's big moves. slow, it can be easily stopped. Okay. Other types of radiation are harder to stop. Okay. Okay, and then there's also gamma particles, which are not gamma particles, I guess. I should walk that back. There's also gamma radiation. Okay. And gamma radiation is actually similar to what we've talked about before when we've talked about excited electrons and how then the the electrons will move back down uh-huh. and sort of shift from a higher excited energy state to a lower energy state. Right. And when they do that, they let off energy. Yes, yes, yes. So gamma energy is basically that, where an excited electron relaxes back down to the ground state, but it just so happens that the exact amount of energy between the excited and the relaxed states 
is in the gamma range on the electromagnetic electromagnetic spectrum. So oh. it's just they just essentially give off radioactive energy instead of visible light or <laughs> something oh, like that. Okay, yes. I see what you're saying. Right, right, right. Yeah, because we've talked about that where we mm-hmm. can see it visually because it's in the range of visible light. Yes. And there in this situation it is in the range of gamma radiation, not in the range of visible light. Yes. Ah. So you, there's that that electromagnetic spectrum, which I feel like is often, it's got the rainbow in it. And then right. it, sometimes it uses other colors to represent like infrared, microwave, you know, whatever. And so it just so happens that these give off, they don't give off microwaves, they don't give off visible light, they give off gamma radiation is the exact space between those electrons that's giving off energy. Is that higher than the or lower than the range uh, i can never remember i always have to go look up because it's like wavelength and frequency are opposite <laughs> right right i wonder if because infrared's lower ultraviolet's higher uh-huh right yeah i can pull up the electromagnetic spectrum real quick and we can look Okay, here we go. The electromagnetic spectrum. So radio waves and microwaves are on the far side of the visible region with infrared. And then on this side, on the nearer side, is ultraviolet, x-ray, and gamma ray. Got it. So as it's starting to get more, a faster... Higher energy. Higher energy. Smaller frequency. (laughs) Smaller wavelength. Yeah, yeah. I always get those, because they're inverted, I always have to look those up. Yeah, But yeah, so they're... It's higher energy, so essentially they're just shooting out dangerous energy when they relax. Okay, got it. So Dangerous energy. Dangerous energy, not just visible energy. I mean, even the ultraviolet is dangerous. Right. X-ray is dangerous, and then gamma is even more dangerous. Okay. Is kind of maybe a good way to think of it. Okay. Maybe then I want to look it up every time if I could just remember that. Because <laughs> ultraviolet, you know, that's what damages our skin. We've done a lot of episodes about right. that. Yeah, 100%. And we also can't see that, which is fun to imagine being able to see it. Yeah. Okay, let me find my place here. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's, we've gone over the two sort of types of radiation that are going to come into play. And I don't know if I hit this hard enough, but with alpha radiation, with the alpha particles and the alpha decay, when you're losing those two protons, the original atom that's giving off those two protons and two neutrons, it's changing identity. So it's breaking down into something else. Right, right. So in the case of smoke detectors, which you're probably like, what does this have to do with smoke detectors? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's like, Um, are they detecting radiation no. in our homes hopefully not um, they're generating radiation oh i know okay. but it's safe okay okay so in the case of smoke detectors safely protected inside your smoke detector there is a little bit of radiation happening okay so it's small it's a protected space i I sort of got conflicting information and I couldn't find a good scientific paper on this. Mm-hmm. Some said that there's gamma and alpha particles. The other said only alpha particles. I keep saying gamma particles, but I guess I just mean gamma energy. Okay. Okay. So gamma decay and alpha decay. I've heard both of those. And I also heard just alpha. Okay. To me, just alpha or primarily alpha radiation makes the most sense because it'd be really easy to stop that from leaking out. Right. 
Um, but it also is a very small amount. So maybe because it's so small, it's not really dangerous to have that in our smoke detectors. Okay. But it is safe. Okay. So in our enclosed space of our smoke detectors, there is usually like some kind of metal. And in the very center of the metal is a little bit, a little bit like a hundred nanograms or less uh-huh. of something called americium. Americium. I never know americium. how to say those. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's an element and it's a radioactive isotope of the element. Okay. And there's just that little bit of it. And in addition to that, there's a positively charged plate and a negatively charged plate. So like an anode and a cathode, if you want to use the fancy words for it. Okay. So what happens is the americium emits alpha, possibly also gamma particles. And when those are emitted and they interact with the air, it will ionize the air, the molecules in the air. Okay. So it kind of bothers me when people are like, oh, it ionizes the air because the air is nothing, you know? Right, right, <laughs> right. Like but, what elements, what atoms is it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So the atoms that are in the air become ionized, which sort of the way I picture it in my mind is like, oh, we're shooting out these positively charged heliums, basically. Uh-huh. And they come into contact with something else and they can take the electrons from that thing. And then now that thing is positively charged and it's going to try to go, you know, get something. And so now we have all kinds of different electrons being shifted around back and forth, making some positive ions in the gaseous molecules in the air and some negative ions. Okay. And then you put that between two positively and negatively charged plates and they'll kind of nicely organize themselves and create a current running between those two positively charged plates. And this reminded me so much of when we did the batteries. It's like the ionized electrons bridge the gap there and they sort of, they make a current, they close that, you know, the gap between those two um, positively and negatively charged plates. They complete the circuit. So a current is running through at all times your smoke detector. Right, okay, okay. Now, when smoke particles start to move through the air and get into our smoke detector, they'll start to interact with those ions and disrupt those ions. Okay. And I'm assuming other things might also, but if it's low enough concentration, I'm, I feel like probably your uh, smoke detector is fine just sort of, you know, mitigating this. Like, oh, yeah. one or two, not a big deal. But if enough particles start to float in, and it disrupts the flow and the current, the flow of electrons and the current in the smoke detector enough, uh-huh. the smoke detector recognizes that the current is shut off, sort of like if you took the batteries out of something and it's not working anymore. Okay. And that sets off the alarm. Okay. I sort of thought of it like the Indiana Jones, like <laughs> once that weight is taken off, yep. the <laughs> the alarm is sound, yes. the booby trap is triggered. Yes. So I feel like it's similar once the current is gone. Once the batteries are taken out, essentially (laughs) the batteries that the americium makes, it sends off a danger, danger, you know, kind of thing. Okay. Interesting. So that's how ionized. Well, the ionizing smoke detectors work. Wow. So a little bit of radiation chemistry, that's your chemistry lesson Uh and then put it into the context of the smoke detector. Okay. Okay. Wow. So we haven't had like a brand new chemistry information lesson in a while. Yeah. 
that's definitely a lot there and certainly way more than I would have expected. I know. Smoke detectors. What do you think you thought happened in them? I guess I thought there was some specific element that maybe it could like kind of detect four in smoke, Mm -hmm. you know, that like maybe isn't already in the air, but that might not really be true or like how would it detect it? I mean, how, you know, other than something like this where it interrupts the circuit, you know? Well, I can think of one other way, but I won't tell you till next week. Okay. Right. right. (laughs) But I mean, like, that's just one of those things where like. That answer served me fine for a while. Uh-huh. Like, oh, there must be something in smoke that <laughs> I can tell. But clearly, you know, I couldn't really bridge the gap mm-hmm. very much. That's so crazy. I know there's literally a little bit of radiation. Also, radiation just by itself to me is crazy. I mean, because what I guess I didn't say this, but I probably should have. The Aramecium, Ameri- Ameri- it looks like America. So that's why I don't know how to say oh, it really. Yeah. yeah. Americium emits these alpha particles and it actually breaks down into Neptunia. Okay. Because it get, is getting rid of its protons. Right. Right. So it, it changes identities right there in your smoke detector. And so is that probably one reason why smoke detectors only last so long? Like they have a shelf life. I would think so actually. Yeah. There's a finite number of these atoms here that are doing this thing. That's my guess. Okay. Interesting. I don't know for sure, but I did think about that while I didn't realize that smoke detectors had a lifespan. Uh-huh. But while I was doing this, I was like, well, what happens when all the americium is broken down to Neptunium? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, I guess that's why. Or like, I mean, maybe. Maybe they also just get less effective and maybe it require yeah. too much smoke to like really be safe at a certain point. Yeah, maybe so. Where it need to. I don't know. That's crazy. I have like. Kind of two analogies floating around in my head. Okay. That, you know, could either of them work. We'll just see what happens. Okay. So <laughs> Lay them on me. <laughs> the first one is probably similar to what, I don't remember exactly what analogy we ended up using. We talked about batteries a while ago, mm-hmm. but you know, there's just this, there's a flow of something mm-hmm. like say traffic, yeah. you know, and if something interrupts that, mm-hmm. um, then it's messes everything up. If it yeah. halts the flow, yeah. uh, then that's something that we've all experienced the downside of. And so it's kind of, it's not that hard to imagine that happening in like this very like electron subatomic, you know, whatever right. way uh, where there's a flow is happening and if something interrupts it. It's detectable. Yeah. And it can, you could have something set it off. So mm-hmm. if those smoke particles that are starting to float up and get in with the air, the, the, atoms that are they're helium wait sorry let me start with <laughs> the atoms of the americo americium americium, americium. yeah i think they, i always say it wrong americium they are positively charged mm-hmm. and they would rather be stable correct mm-hmm. they'd rather have electrons to make them yes even and so as they are being yeah, two plus, that's crazy for it's such a tiny little it's, I mean, it'd be like a, basically a hydrogen that yeah. has two positive charges. That's a lot for a little atom like helium. So there, as they are um, able to steal electrons mm-hmm. from the atoms in the air. Yes. They are happy if things are going well and stuff. But if smoke starts getting intermixed into that, they 
can't do that. And ooh, that's a piece I'm missing. Dang it. So you kind of, so you miss the charged plates. Okay. Yes. Charged plates. They line up. So I think they, it ionizes the air. It goes and interacts with things. There's lots of, um, reactions happening to ionizing molecules in the air. Right. Right. And I think probably the energy that's emitted, if there is the gamma energy, which was not clear to me, I Uh got conflicting information that probably also putting energy into things helps them react or helps them move around and interact with other things. Okay. So there are positively charged and negatively charged things now floating around in this little contained space of your smoke detector. Right, right, right. And then the charge plates line them up. Yes. And the charge plates line up and things are flowing Mm -hmm. correctly and everything's happy until smoke starts getting in there and messing up with that that flow Mm -hmm. and this little self-contained kind of uh, ecosystem almost. Yes. Of... Charged things getting what they want and exchanging, um, you know, electrons and flowing and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. that interrupts that. And something in the smoke detector, just like, say, I don't know, a traffic reporter or whatever, yeah, is going to be looking for that all the time. Mm-hmm. And as soon as it happens, it's like, oh, red alert, mm-hmm. there's traffic here. Yeah. Something is not working as it should. Our little happy ecosystem community is being uh altered in some way mm-hmm. so that's one thing i thought of the traffic deal yeah but another thing i kind of is in my head was just like you know how in movies when <laughs> someone is i feel like this is gonna be dumb <laughs> it's it's not quite as dumb as it <laughs> seems right now whenever someone has really actually, actually this is true well yeah this is true in chernobyl not to the degree i was thinking but when someone has really good really important information mm-hmm. that people don't want to get out Ooh, you know, yeah. there's a moment where it's like, like in I, Aaron Brockovich. I haven't seen that. That's like the second time in the past two weeks someone's referenced that, and I have it's no good. idea what any of that is about. Okay, sorry. Other than Julia Roberts is in it. Yeah, well, it's also chemistry, but it doesn't matter. Okay. Anyway, I need to watch that movie, I guess, uh, <laughs> and read her Wikipedia page. So, whenever someone has important information that other people don't want out, you know, you have a meeting and you say like, if I don't call so and so, if I don't call my contact, um. After this meeting, at midnight, they're going to send out this package to the New York Times or whatever. Okay, there's a, okay, there's okay. a standing order yes. to follow this thing and send this thing out yes. if I don't stop you or whatever. Yes. So I kind of think like it's, you could sort of reverse engineer that into this mode detector. Like we'll sound the alarm if we don't hear from yeah, you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If for any reason our flow of communication stops sound the alarm a lot of times women do that on dates ah. it's like if you're going on a date with someone you don't really know i mean men should probably do this too but i think women oh, yeah. are maybe a little bit more vulnerable because we're oftentimes smaller than the person we're meeting yeah. it'll be like okay if i don't hear from you i'm i'm gonna start to get worried so like turn your location on so that i can sound the alarm so it's kind of yeah. it is kind of like that Text, like check in if you don't check in by 10 yes. then yeah when the flow of information is interrupted then we start to get worried yeah and yeah. that is like when the flow and the current is interrupted, yeah. then the alarm goes yeah. off. Send out the classified documents. Do yeah. it. I didn't mm-hmm. tell you to stop. Do mm-hmm. it. And then that's when the smoke detector goes off. Yeah. Something like that. So a mixture of traffic and spy movies and, da- and dates with <laughs> and dates. strangers. Yes. So. so when I'm not getting the information that I know everything is okay, the smoke detector, it's like one or two interaction's not a big deal, but if there's an interruption, yeah. smoke detector freaks out. Yeah. It's like if it takes you longer to text back, okay. Yeah. If I don't hear from you for 10 minutes, I'm like, she's dead. I yeah. Don't know. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
So that that's a good analogy. I like that. There's definitely enough there where I'm like, this is a tough one, but I think I get the gist of it. But there's there's so many little parts of it that yeah. I feel like it's just I don't know. It's hard. Yeah, it's harder than I expected it to be. It's like step one, you get radiation emitted, and then step two, that radiation, depending on the type, at least the alpha we know uh-huh. particles, and then possibly gamma energy facilitate some of this causes the molecules in the air to be ionized. Uh-huh. And then step three, they all line up. They get your little decks in the row with these, you know, these plates that uh-huh. are charged. And then step four is now we're just constantly monitoring until something goes yeah. wrong, you know? So that air is creating the bridge basically, right? I are we saying so. that the ionized yeah. particles, That's and it awesome, might be actually. too that some of the, the radiation itself, like those alpha particles might uh-huh. be involved, but my imagination is, I, I'm, this is chemistry off the cuff. This is in my imagination uh-huh. is that there's all kinds of ionized particles in there. Like right, right. maybe there's some alpha particles that picked up an electron. Maybe there's some alpha particles that picked up two electrons, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and then they probably stole it from someplace. So there might be like an oxygen that's lost an electron. Yeah. So in my mind, it's sort of, it's a whole mixture of different, you know, types of ions going to complete the circuit. Okay. Yeah. Either way, electrons are flowing to make an electric current yeah. that tells the smoke detector that everything is okay. Yes. Yes. And there's a plate that really wants those electrons. Mm-hmm. There are, there are different charge things that are going to, if they can find a way, yeah. there's enough things available. They're going to want to do it. Yeah. So that helps too. It's like if the conditions start happening, one of us is ready to take some electrons and one of us has some extras. Right. And yeah. And I think the going back to the battery episode where we talked about the current of electrons flowing through and how when there's no battery that interrupts it and when the battery is present, yeah. it completes the circuit. Right. I, that is almost the exact same idea. Like I just kept thinking about batteries. Yeah. <laughs> Only instead of batteries, the thing that's completing the circuit in this case is the ions that are created by the radiation, which yeah. is crazy. Yeah. 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 That is so crazy. And there are probably also batteries on the other side of it too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That are powering it. So there's like a battery bridge and an ion bridge that is like circulating through. Yeah. <laughs> so. Dang, that's so that crazy. was a good one. Okay. Well, thanks. That was really fun. Um, and speaking of fun things, do you have any fun thing? Do you have any questions on that I before think, we go in? I think I mostly get it. I mean, I think okay. I get I'm close enough, but I, I guess also we'll build on, even though it'd be a different method, mm-hmm. we'll be building on this idea next week with... It'll be really different. There's no radiation in the other okay. kind. Well, it gives me a chance to, you know, understand something that's completely different chemistry-wise, <laughs> but has a similar function mm-hmm. in the world, which is pretty cool. And I'll probably have you compare and contrast the two as well next week. Um, you asked me if I had something fun yeah. for my week. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, the, I think the biggest highlight is that, um, we've been trying to find a time for my mom and my brother to come visit mm-hmm. from Abilene. And unfortunately my brother had some work stuff come up, so he couldn't come. So he's going to come a different weekend. My mom got to come hang out with us this past weekend. Oh, nice. And that was really fun. Um, obviously my son just loves getting time with her and stuff. So. That was really fun. A lot of 
cute moments and <laughs> just also like a lot of just chilling and not, no huge events, nothing yeah. like crazy or whatever. We cooked a dinner one of the nights, which was really fun. Um, but yeah, it was just good to get some time together. And I think also this is kind of fun because my son being like two and a half, he gets excited about people coming to visit yeah. a lot more than he used to. And like, we can kind of build it up across the week and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And he just, I don't know. And he's like, he, he's very much like loves everyone being here all the time. Yes. He really does. Yeah. He's always excited to see me. Yes. It's like, it does not matter. Yep. <laughs> and whenever people leave, even if they're just like dropping something by or whatever it is, or even if they're like, my mom was here for like a whole weekend, like mm-hmm. multiple days. He just has this general, like, why did they even need to leave? Like, why did they go somewhere else? <laughs> I was like, over here one night and I to record. And then I left and then Mason came to do coffee because our lives are so intertwined. Uh-huh. <laughs> and Mason told me, oh, uh, Josh's son, you know, he was, kept talking about how sad he was that you left. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd be like, he's like, where's Melissa? And stuff yeah. like that. And like, <laughs> sometimes I would be like, come to my house. Like, I'll say something like that. Like, it's like, dude, people have their own places to live and their own things to do, you know, but he doesn't get that. He's just like, why can't we all always be together? One time Which, Emily had to explain to him that I had to go clean. Yeah. And she told him that our house is a big mess because that's what she uses to describe cleaning up. And I was yeah. like, oh, great. So you're just telling him our house is a big mess. Yeah. Yeah. But it was cute. It's yeah. cute to imagine him. Being and it's relatable to him because he knows like, we'll be like, dude, we got to clean up. It's a big mess. You got a lot yeah. of toys out or whatever. So even though it does make it seem probably worse than it actually is. But he can be like, oh, big no, mess. it was a big mess. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it just is so cute how it's like you have to give him an explanation yeah. for what's happening. Yeah. Um, what about you? What's been going on in your week? Um, mine's, mine's sort of similar in that it involves traveling, but not someone traveling to visit me. I left. Yeah. Um, I went to Auburn. And you're to, gone for a while. I'm gone all the time. Yeah. Now. I'm in this weird phase and I kind of thought it would calm down in the new year, but maybe not. Maybe this is just the way this job is. I think it's yeah. part of it is by my own design because I really like to work in person with right. the people that I'm working with. So I go to Auburn once a week or once a week, <laughs> once a semester for about a week yeah. to work with the grad students that I work with, you know, virtually all the time. And it's really nice to get that FaceTime in and it just makes it just a little bit more comfortable and easier to have that community. And so I really enjoyed it. And actually Mason came with me. Oh, cool. Yeah. For just like the first few days. So we got to kind of like have a little weekend getaway and he got to meet the people I work with too. Cause it's weird. Like, oh, you've never met these people I spend all my time with. Right. And they know things about him and you've probably told Mason things about your coworkers, but yeah. never have the two met. And right. it's not, it's not easy to accomplish that. It's yeah. not like, Oh, we're going to dinner after work or something. Yeah. Come. It's like, it takes extra effort mm-hmm. to pull it off. But it was really fun. We got to stay in this really cute Airbnb in Atlanta. And yeah, I just had a really good time and I always really like working with my coworkers, but yes. And our, my traveling schedule is wild. So yeah. expect to keep hearing me talk about it because yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've got a conference in March. And then April's pretty chill, but I'll probably go back to Auburn in May. Uh-huh. And then another con- conference in, it might be in July. So okay. and maybe June, May, June, I'll you probably go back break. to Auburn. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. To go and back then, there. but so it'll probably go at a lower rate, but yeah, 
I just, you know, it's kind of fun. I'm one of those people who travels for work now. Nice, nice. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it does. it is weird because then I haven't seen my friends at home for a while, you know? So then it's like when I'm trying to plan something, I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe in two weeks. <laughs> yeah. So. That's cool, though. Yeah, so that was my fun. It was fun to go to Auburn and work with my coworkers. I really enjoyed it. Um, And also it's cool that. Mason Fi got to go because who knows how often yeah. that'll actually be able to happen. So And then whenever I, after he went back home and I was working, I was able to say like, Oh, I had dinner at this place and he's been there, you know? Yeah. So that made it, you know, nicer too. Yeah, that's true. So that was my happy thing for the week. Very cool. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for uh thanks for learning about smoke detectors and having something relatable about it. The fact that you don't have one in your kitchen, which <laughs> yeah. is concerning. Yep, very concerning. <laughs> and thanks to all of our listeners and uh viewers who um make this show possible because yeah. we wouldn't be able to learn all about chemistry and share about it yeah and didn't, and, we, didn't this topic come from a listener yes and that was a really good idea i had never thought about it and then i was gripped with the fact that i didn't know yeah seriously <laughs> so that was a really good one thanks uh, shout out again to sd pete on instagram sd pete we've you know we've got a lot of our own ideas about topics in chemistry every day of life but we love hearing from you guys and y'all's ideas are some of the best episodes we end up having. So please send those our way. If you've got an idea, you can reach out to us on our website at chemforyourlife.com. That's chem, F-O-R, yourlife.com to share your thoughts and ideas. If you'd like to help us keep our show going and contribute to cover the cost of making it, you can go to patreon.com slash chemforyourlife or tap the link in our show notes to join our super cool community of patrons. If you're not able to join, you can still help us by subscribing on our favorite podcast app and rating and writing a review on Apple Podcasts. That also helps us to share chemistry on with even more people. And also you can subscribe. Dang it. Yeah. Why don't I even? <laughs> this episode of Chemistry for Your Life was created by Melissa Collini and Jam Robinson. Jam Robinson is our producer. And this episode was made possible by our financial supporters over on Patreon. It means so much to us that you want to help chemistry be accessible to even more people. Those supporters are Avishai B, Bree M, Brian K, Chris and Claire S, Chelsea B, Derek L, Emerson W, Hunter R, Jacob T, Christina G, Lynn S, Melissa P, Nicole C, Stephen B, Shadow, Suzanne S, Sam N, Stephen B, Timothy P, and Venus R. Thanks again for everything you do to make chemistry for your life happen. We'd also like to give a special thanks to our team of reviewers who reviewed this episode before it went out. And if you'd like to learn more about today's chemistry lesson, you can check out the references for this episode in our show notes or on our website. Mm-hmm.